want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Acts chapter 16. Our scripture reading today will be Acts chapter 16, uh, verses 1 through 10. I want to ask if you would, please stand in honor and reverence for the reading of the Word of God. Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. Paul went first to Derbe and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. And then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. And then coming to the borders of Myasia, they traveled north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through to Myasia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this passage of Scripture. Lord, we thank you uh, that, um, God, that you are with us wherever we go. Uh, Father, we may not have a, a missionary journey in the pages of Scriptures uh, describing our work, but yet, Lord, um, we're all on mission for you. Uh, we are all going as part of our service to you, try walking throughout our lives. We pray that you would strengthen us and give us grace through your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We've talked uh, about a, uh, a couple of folks today, different groups of folks that we're honoring. Uh, one was graduates. And uh, graduates are facing a lot, right? Whether it be a high school or a college graduation, usually we think of those times as, as there's a lot of future being ahead and um, a, a, a lot of opportunity. Uh, but with, with that bright future ahead, a lot of times there comes a lot of indecision. As kids graduate and they you know, are looking on to what's next, um, they are constantly bombarded with people who are asking them, what are you going to do, what are you going to do, what are you going to do, what are you going to do? And uh, I, having teenagers of my own, and Caleb's now a junior, and, and we've talked about this and others, you know, we don't think about it. We're like being nice to them. Like we're, we're, we're interested in them and we want to know about them and express that interest. But we're probably, when we ask someone, oh, where are you going to go? What are you going to major in? We're like the 3,000th person that's asked them that that week. 
And, and, you know, there's so much pressure because how many of us knew at 17 or 18 years old exactly what we were going to do and where our lives were going to go? We don't. And so we end up, um, a lot of times, young folks are, are in a pressure situation trying to figure out, what do I do? You know, where, where am I going to go uh, from here? What's the path forward? And then we also talked about moms today. And moms, uh, that's, a, that's a whole new level of, uh, of indecision at times. When, when you become a parent, all of a sudden you realize there's this tremendous responsibility in front of you. And there's, there's no instruction manual, you know. I mean, you got a couple of nights in the hospital where they're like, well, let you rest and uh, you take it easy. But that goes away and you go home and here's this bundle of joy and, and you're saying, what do I do with it? You know, and uh, all parents face this. Uh, but, you know, dads, we, we kind of fake it. We're kind of like, I got this. I had a dad. Yep, I know how to do this. You know, and moms tend to be the ones that buy the books about how to be a great parent and, and watch the videos and, and are like, how do I do it? You know, and uh, in my own life, I'll talk to my mom today. I'll come home. She'll be like, oh, we just, if we would have known now, we could have done so much better. And we could have, it's kind of insulting now that I think about it. But, <laughs> you know, she's, you know, we, we should have done this. And, and dad, you know, while dad was still alive, he was always like, yep, we fed you. We put clothes on you. We did a good job. He had no doubt he had done a good job, you know. But moms tend to be a little bit more, oh, what do we do? And so uh, not just students and not graduates and not just moms, though. We all face times of indecision in life. And, and I think especially Christians do uh, because we can get so worried about what exactly is the right thing? What am I supposed to do? Am I in the middle of the Lord's will? We wonder that, and often we fret because we think, well, I'm trying, but, but am I really doing what God wants me? And you've heard the phrase, his perfect will. Am I in the middle of God's perfect will? And so I want us to talk about this morning how you can move ahead with confidence in your life. I don't, whether you're a graduate, whether you're a mom or a dad, or where you, wherever you are in life, whatever you're facing, how can you be confident and not cut up, caught up in this constant worry and indecision. Am I doing the right thing? I am in God's. Am I in God's will? How do we move forward? And I think from the example of the Apostle Paul, we can see three principles that are really important for confident Christian living. The first one is that you surround yourself with uh, Christian relationships. Surround yourself with solid Christian relationships. We tend to think of the Apostle Paul as kind of a lone ranger, a solo kind of guy. I mean, uh, especially after what we just saw where he and Barnabas went separate ways. You know, we think he's, he's Paul. He didn't need anybody. I mean, he's got Jesus and that's it. He just goes forward. But the truth is that is never the case. If you look in every single one of Paul's letters to the churches that he writes, what we call epistles in the Bible, those letters he wrote, they're always talking about Paul and so-and-so. He's even writing the letter along with someone else. And he's going to mention several other Christians that are with him. He'll say, oh, Epaphras says hey. And, and, and this other guy, Titus, he says to tell you hello. And, and I'm so the, the household of Lydia, they said to greet you. It, it's, he's always surrounding himself with other people. Here we know the greatest missionary in the history of the church and he realized, I can't go it alone. 
If I'm just doing all this stuff by myself, I'm not strong enough in myself. I need to surround myself with good people. And, you know, that's a principle uh, in Scripture that that over and over talks about. uh, There's a verse in Proverbs. It's uh, Proverbs 13.20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. That's a universal principle, isn't it? No matter who you are, where you are in life, if you hang with the right people, if you surround yourself with good people, you rub elbows with them, they're going to kind of rub off on you, and you're going to pick up their good habits, and you can encourage one another, and you can keep each other accountable. The other, on the other hand, we talk about bad apples can spoil a bunch. Sometimes somebody can be a negative influence come into your life, and they can rub off in a very negative way. Paul knew that he needed to surround himself with good people to move forward. And we think about this trip right here. Uh, Paul, the, we, we know first off that he was going with Silas. Silas was a prophet from the church in Jerusalem, and they had just recently had the big conference in Jerusalem where they settled this, this huge question about uh, do people have to become full-on Jews before they can become Christians? And the answer was no, you don't have to become a Jew first. You can go straight to becoming a Christian. And then, so he was there, and, and he was a prophet, and he was a, he was a guy that was known from the Jerusalem church, so he was a strength in that way. On the other hand, the Bible also tells us he picks up a young man named Timothy along the way. And Timothy becomes uh, a beloved uh, uh, son type of figure to him, someone he mentors. And Paul uh, mentored several young men in the faith. Uh, John Mark, that didn't go so well. We learned about that last week. But John Mark turned out to be all right. We also learned. But Timothy and then uh, also Titus and others he mentored in the faith. That's something that you can do. It will increase your faith if you are trying to influence someone else. The more that you, you know I'm responsible for this person, I'm trying to help them grow, you're going to be on your toes, and, and you're going to be growing. So he had Silas, he had Timothy, and then there's a, a third person, that, at least three, there's probably a lot more, but at least a third person on this trip That goes along. Now, this person is not named, but we know that they're there. If you look in chapter uh, 16, the last verse we read, verse 10. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once. What does that mean? What does that tell us? Well, up until this point in Acts, there's been no use of the word we. It's he or they or she. No no use of we or us. And so this passage right here, when it begins, we, almost all Bible scholars uh, uh, conclude and believe that this is where Luke, who wrote the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, and the book of Acts, this is where he joined Paul on the missionary journey. This is where they came into contact, maybe for the first time, but it's definitely the first time that he joins him. And Luke says, from this point, we traveled forward. And so he's got Silas, he's got Timothy, he's got Luke, the beloved physician. He's always surrounding himself with good people. Now, I think this, 
if Paul, one of the greatest men in Christian history, an apostle, a missionary who is amazing, if he needed to surround himself with good people, then I do too. I certainly need to. All of us need to surround ourselves with those right types of um, folks. By the way, being Mother's Day, we got to go ahead and mention something about Timothy, who he picks up along the journey. In 1 Timothy chapter, um, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5, Paul talks about, he's writing this letter to Timothy, who is his, kind of his son in the faith. And he says, Timothy, there was this faith that first lived in your grandmother uh, Lois, and then in your mother Eunice, and now I am persuaded lives in you also. Isn't this something, this, this faith that has been passed down from generation to generation? And, and it's not just good enough that it was in them, but Paul says, I'm persuaded that it lives in you. You've caught the faith. You've bought in. You believe now just as they did. And, you know, this is encouragement to, to single moms or moms who are married to an unbeliever. And you think, how am I, am I going to really be able to... Um, to uh, influence my child for the Lord. Well, we know Timothy's father uh, was an unbeliever. And, and yet, Timothy's mother and grandmother were so influential in, her, in his life that their faith was passed down to him. We need to pass down our faith. We'll all have limitations. We'll all have circumstances that aren't just right. We need to pass down our faith to those who come along after us. So if we're going to move forward in confidence in Christian life, we surround ourselves with good Christian relationships. Secondly, we need to make plans with wisdom. Make plans with wisdom. So many people are, are filled with fear that they have not heard from the Lord about this some specific issue in their life, and they're paralyzed, and they can't move forward because I'm praying and I hadn't heard anything yet. The truth is, God made most of his will clear in Scripture. 99.99% of what you need to know of God's will for your life is right here. I don't have to pray about whether I should work hard and, and uh, give my all at a job. The Bible tells us to do all things as unto the Lord. The Bible tells us that we are to work heartily as unto the Lord. I don't have to pray about whether I should be greedy or not. The Bible tells us, I don't have to pray about, hmm, I, someone says, should I have an affair? No, you don't have to pray about that. You don't have to think about that. God's will is clearly in Scripture. And for almost all the situations, the, the things that really matter, the things that God is really concerned about, God's already clearly spoken in His Word. This is how you're to behave. This is how you're to live. This is my will. And honestly, there's a whole lot of things in life uh, where I don't believe God has a particular will that you have to do to, to be right with Him. When you and I stand before God on Judgment Day, and we all will, uh, those of us who are believers will give an account for our lives. But when we stand before Him, I don't believe one of the questions is going to be, um, Mark, why did you choose chocolate ice cream that day? You know, he's... he's <laughs> Vanilla was really my will, and if you prayed hard enough, you would know it. No, that, that's, God gives us freedom to be able to make choices and to enjoy ourselves in life. 
So there's a lot of principles that are really, really clear. And then there's a lot of things that God just simply gives us freedom to choose. And, and so we are to move forward with wisdom. When, when maybe it's not really a, a black or white in Scripture, and, and we're not sure where to go, it's not just a matter of preference, we just ask God for wisdom. I mean, we just try to move forward in, in, in wise ways the best we can. James 1.5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. We just say, God, I'm not sure, but I, I want to do the best I can. We look at the pages of Scripture for wisdom. And if you want to know more about wisdom, it's the, the right way of living. It's not just knowing, it's, it's living in the right way. Look at the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament and the book of James in the New Testament. It'll tell you a lot about wisdom. Paul's second missionary journey did not start out in a spectacular way. Now, his first missionary journey did. The Bible talked about there were five leaders at, at, at Antioch, and they were all together, and they were praying, and in the Spirit, God uh, said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas to go on this mission that I've called them to do. And, and that was one of those direct words from the Lord, and we'll talk about that last. But most of the time in life, we don't get that direct word from the Lord. You know, God doesn't appear to us in a vision and say, you will go to Mississippi State University. Uh, God doesn't usually do that. That's not the norm. And that wasn't how this missionary journey started. In fact, uh, we didn't read the scripture um, last week. I mean, this week, we read it last week, uh, back in the previous chapter. It just said, after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. See, he, he didn't have to wait around and say, oh, I wonder what the Lord wants me to do. He, he simply got a good idea. Hey, I wonder how those believers are doing. And he knew that it, encouraging people and loving on people, that's a... That's our honorable and godly thing. They said, let's just, let's just do it. He didn't have to have that spectacular voice of God or a vision or a dream. He simply moved forward with wisdom. And that's how most of our life is. We're going to do the best we can to live by God's principles and move forward in a way that honors God. We surround ourselves with Christian relationships. We make plans with wisdom. But third and finally, we quickly adjust to God's directions. Quickly adjust to God's directions. So we're trying to have good friends that influence us in the right way. We're trying to search for wisdom and scripture and pray and just move forward in a wise way. But what about when God does clearly show up? I really don't know how many times um, there's no average I have talked to wonderful Christian believers who love God, who I have no doubt are wonderful people and are going to go to heaven and are going to hear well done, good and faithful. And I've talked to Christians who've said, I've never heard directly from the Lord in my life in that kind of way. And you know what? If that's you, that's okay. That just wasn't God's, God's plan for you. I've heard from some believers that seem to hear from God specifically uh, on a regular basis, uh, there's some folks like me. I've had a, just a, a very small handful of times in my life 
where I felt that I, I heard very clearly from the Lord. And, and as we've seen from Scripture, this can come in different ways. Sometimes it's a dream. Sometimes it's a vision. Sometimes it's a, just an extremely clear impression upon the heart. Uh, some people have actually heard a, a voice from the Lord. However, uh, He speaks to you. You can be assured uh, of a couple of things. Number one, He'll never contradict what He's already said. If, if anything that you think you hear doesn't go with this, you didn't hear it from the Lord. Because God doesn't contradict Himself. But if God speaks to you, what do you do? At that point, you have to quickly adjust. Years ago, I heard I was uh, reading Experiencing God by uh, Henry Blackaby. And he said this statement that stuck with me ever since. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. If you've been a parent, you understand this principle. Um, baby girl, I want that room clean. Okay? I, I want you to, you understand me? I want that room clean. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll get it. Late that night when it's time for bed, you walk around and an amazing event of nature, a tornado has gone through your child's room. And you're, wait a minute. Uh, I know something had to happen here because you said, oh, well, I meant to. I was going to. And I, I, this happened. And then, you know, you see, we talk about our kids doing that, but we do that with God. There are times when we know what we need to do, and we're like, well, I'm going to get around to it. I'm, I'm eventually going to get there. When God makes it clear what we're to do, we're to do it in his timing. We're to move forward. And that's exactly what Paul did. Uh, I won't break out the map and, and show you exactly what was going on in this passage, but but I'll say basically they were in uh, what we call Asia Minor or Turkey, and uh, they tried to go uh, this way, and the Bible says the Spirit of God said no. And they tried to go this way, and the Bible says the Spirit of God says no. And so then Paul has a vision from this Macedonian man. This is northern Greece, and that this vision or this dream says, come. And that's refer known in the Bible as the Macedonian call, come to us. And so God had said, don't go here, don't go here. And they're kind of stuck right here. And this guy says, come. Ah, okay. That's the place to go. And the Bible says, they go. Why did God have to give them that vision? As much as we give Paul credit for branching out and, and moving out in the world, Paul was still on his, his home continent, his home area. Tarsus, you know, he was, he was Saul of Tarsus before he became Paul of Tarsus. Tarsus was in Turkey. And so he's moved out a little bit, but he was still staying in that area of Turkey. And Paul, uh, God was calling him to a whole new place, uh, to leave Asia, to go to Europe, to be in Greece and start his ministry there. And God made it real clear, this is what you got to do. And when he heard that word, he followed it. I want to encourage you today that you can be confident in your Christian walk. You don't have to be broke up or whether, am I doing exactly the right thing? Some simple things you do. Surround yourself with good people that will help you make the right decisions. 
try to move forward in wisdom, and that means you ask God for it, and you look through Scripture, and, and you try to learn what God has to say about a subject or an area, and you do your best to follow Him in that way. And then if God happens to speak to you directly, you listen and you obey right then. And if you follow that game plan for your life, you can live as a confident Christian moving forward, knowing that you're walking in God's will. Pray with me today. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for your blessings in our lives. We thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your mercy. Lord, we thank you that you did not leave us uh, as orphans, the Bible says, but you sent the Holy Spirit. Your Holy Spirit reveals truth to us in God's Word as we read it. And Father, we pray that you would just help us to walk in a way that honors you. Father, we pray that you would give us um, a peace that we're following you, that we're walking in the right Lord, be now with this time of invitation as we dedicate ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.